Tigers Uncaged. Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your hosts, Jesse and Lance. Welcome inside Tigers Uncaged, the third episode of season two. Mm-hmm. How are you? It's Jesse and Lance now of... Wild 94.5, Medicine Hat's new country. Yeah, that was a change that, that happened, was... uh, well, today, yeah. as this being, is being released. So that's fun. That is fun. New things happening. Yeah, so cool, cool, cool. Uh, very excited to uh, talk some Tigers. Mm-hmm. The weekend that was, we saw the Tigers going to NMAC Center in Lethbridge for the Hurricanes home opener. You and I got to make the trip down the number three highway. Yep. First of all, shout out to the hospitality of the Lethbridge Hurricanes fans. They were very pleasant to talk to. A little little teasing back and forth. But all in all, some very nice people down at the MMAX Center. Yeah, it was good. I think spirits were high because it was the home opener for them. So they were in in a cheery mood. If they have like a bad season and we went back later on in the year, maybe it wouldn't be so nice. Who's maybe to not. say? Maybe not. But, uh, you know, Tigers, uh, they held their own in that game. It yeah. was... Um, it was a 5-4 game. I, again, one of those games where if you give the Tigers five more minutes, who knows, maybe would have went to overtime. Yeah. They really start to get the, their momentum near the tail end of that game. Yeah, and typically I'm with you that you know five more minutes and they can make things happen. They didn't need five extra minutes against Lethbridge. They had plenty of opportunity. That's a true. lot of five-on-threes, yep. power plays, and they just didn't really capitalize in moments that really mattered. And it's unfortunate that it went that way. Penalties, once again, kind of ruined some of the momentum for them uh, in Lethbridge, too. When you look back, and in, in, I, I think back to that second period, they come out and they're starting strong on the heels of giving up a late goal in the first period. Uh, they start the second off well, and then just kind of lose that that's the footing, the speed. Like I, I don't really know where it is that it went wrong, but all of a sudden, by the midway part of the of the second, they they just weren't the same team, and uh, and they kind of fell into a bit of a lull in the back half of that second, and that carried in then into the third where they give up the the early one, go down two, and all of a sudden it's it's a lot more difficult to come back. Well, you can see the frustration in the Tigers in that second period because in the tail end of the second, they started taking bad penalties. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, I wasn't there on Saturday against Winnipeg, but I was following along with you and Gino, and I was following on Twitter, but it seems like these last two games, the Tigers have just taken – Penalties that shouldn't be taken. Yep. And I, we saw that definitely in Lethbridge. I think uh, Hot Ass had a couple that I wish he could, or he probably wishes he could take back. But they were in the penalty box more than I think they should have been, especially that Friday night in Lethbridge. Yeah, for what it's worth, there's obviously like some fighting majors involved in this, but the, the Tigers as a team through three games have 56 penalty minutes. It's a lot. Probably a few too many. That's a few too many, yeah, yeah, Considering yeah. you look around the league and, I mean, some of the better teams – across the league with less than that. But uh, the Central Division as a whole, actually, uh, a little bit more. But you kind of you weigh that into the the equation and think, okay, maybe we're just getting a little undisciplined to start the year. And a lot of them, like you said, not it's not like they're great back-checking penalties. A lot of them are just like a lazy hook or an errant stick that goes for a trip. Like these, these penalties that they take away momentum, but they also kind of deflate your bench a little bit because they are not necessarily those big hustle plays. Like, there was a hit, uh, what was it, Saturday, or was that the home opener that Drew Krebs hit? No, it would have been Saturday because he wasn't there for the home opener. Krebs had a great hit uh, right at center ice, loose puck, kind of a 50-50 battle. 
throws his hit, ends up going for a charging, but it was a big impact play. Those are the types of penalties you can live with because sure. it's a guy that's making a play happen, right? Sure. He's throwing the body. He's he's trying to to you know put himself into the game more. But yeah, it's it, it's the tripping, the the high sticking, the hooking, basically any stick infraction that you just you can't really have night in and night out, and they've had quite a few of them. Are we seeing more penalties by the Tigers because they are being more aggressive? You are seeing yeah. last year they weren't able to score. They are having a lot of trouble scoring. Right. Uh, a lot of games early on, they're getting the first goal. They're getting that first goal in the first minute. You are seeing them be more aggressive, and because of that, are they taking bad penalties? You know, there could be something to it. I mean, it's not impossible to think, right? And and you speak to the aggressiveness, it shows in the division, they have the most goals out of any team in the Central. Now, the East Division has more games played. Everyone in that division out East with Winnipeg and Regina and all the Saskatchewan teams and whatnot, they have an extra game played. But, I mean, the Tigers are right there when it comes to goals for with the entire conference, let alone the entire league. They're going to head down to the States uh, this coming week and a half or so and play every single team ever at Portland, Seattle, Spokane, Tri-City. And, and the Tigers have more goals scored through three games than all five of those American teams. So you're right. There is more aggressiveness. I think there's more urgency offensively. Sometimes that urgency can then make you become too urgent, and then you start getting those hooking and the tripping because you're battling for pucks, but you're you're maybe doing a bit too much, right? right? So there could be something to that. That makes sense. Well, I hope the aggressiveness definitely sticks with yeah, this weekend yeah, yeah. or on this U.S. road trip. Mind you, it will end up probably with dumb penalties, but I think the Tigers are, are desperately going to need to be aggressive. Uh, I, th- I think you're right. Going back to maybe the five more minutes wasn't needed. I'm looking here. Tigers ended up outshooting the Hurricanes 34-27 in that game. Both squads ended up being 2-for-6 on the power play. Uh, Beckett Lankow having an okay night, 22 saves on the loss. Yeah, uh, I- I've only seen Beckett the once in, in Lethbridge. Just didn't seem, I don't know, comfortable, but I don't know if he's in his element Mm-hmm. Yet, like I, I, he's a very good goaltender. I just feel like I haven't seen that potential again. It is very early on. Yeah, he just hasn't really settled in as well as he would have liked. I, 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 I'd be hesitant to say that a lot was was is going to be pinned or was pinned on him so far this season. I think he's been good enough. He, he hasn't been bad by any means, but sometimes you are going to need that extra level, right? Everyone's got to take that next jump forward this season from last, and that includes Beckett Lankow. And I think over the course of the season, I anticipate we're going to see that. There's, There's been, you know, over the course of these three games, each night where you look at it and say, you know, he, you could probably only ask for him to get one or two back. Lethbridge was a similar sense where the, the Hurricanes had less shots, but they also had the premium scoring areas. They were in between the dots. They were on top of the crease. They were in and around the net, and, and they were making life difficult for Lankow that night, whereas Harrison Menigans, who was playing for uh, Lethbridge that evening, had a lot of shots to the outside. So, yes, the Tigers were out shooting the Hurricanes for the majority of this game and finished that way. But I think a lot of it was just kept to the outside. The Hurricanes did a pretty solid job in that third period, especially keeping everything away from Picklick and not putting too much pressure. It was Jared Picklick. Menigans is when he filled in. Yes. Um, but it was just, it wasn't a lot of pressure on. Um, on Picklick to to really have to stand out and be incredible. So it, it's one of those things where I would like to see the defensive structure come along more as we kind of work through this U.S. road trip, and when they come back, they might be better. You want to see defensively not giving up the middle of the ice because that, in turn, should 
translate to more effective numbers and better looking numbers for Beckett Lankow. Yep. Uh, but like you said, it's early. It's just it's a matter of getting everything squared away. You just got Drew Krebs back in the lineup, so your D pairings are kind of shifted around again. It's uh, early on in the point where everyone's just get, trying to get their footing a little bit. And you know what? I, they're playing way better than what we saw last year. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. I, I, I've seen it. And then uh, Saturday night, you had the Winnipeg uh, Ice in town. Mm-hmm. A lot of people wrote them off right out of the gate. But, I mean, the Tigers scoring, what, 12 seconds into that game yeah. Saturday night? Like, people yeah. weren't even in their seats yet. Yeah, Weisblatt scored early on uh, on a nice play. I think it was McNeil that ended up giving it to him on a two-on-one. McNeil chipped it past the defenseman uh, in their own zone, led to the breakout, and a quick two-on-one that Weisblatt was able to score on. But those are the types of things they need to be able to do, right? That's what good teams do. When you get a two-on-one, when you get a three-on-two, any odd man rush, you got to make good on what? Let's 50% of the odd man rushes you get in a game, probably? Yep. Because they're not happening that often, right? And as you go on this season, more teams get comfortable like the Tigers will. The structure gets more put in place. So if you can be at 50% success rate on your odd man rushes and scoring, then you're probably going to do well over the course of a game. The Tigers started off well against Winnipeg. It just it, They couldn't get the ball back rolling but, like for a full 60 minutes. But yeah. The the point stands. They they definitely look better. Yeah, hundred percent. They look better. And here's the thing: Weisblatt scores twelve seconds in, crowds into it, and then fifteen seconds after that, Shane Smith takes a slashing penalty, and all yeah. of a sudden you put Winnipeg on the power play. Yeah. Connor Geeky is in his own world right <laughs> yeah. now, yeah. and he easily makes it a one-one game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the the difficult part, right? And that's kind of where we come back to: maybe guys are trying to do a bit too much. You take that penalty, and then you put one of the most dangerous power. Well, excuse me, power plays on the ice. Definitely. And it just doesn't doesn't really help drive momentum. It's not – we talk about different players on this team like Weisblatt or maybe what Bash is going to become, driving the bus, being the energy guy and, and getting momentum on the Tigers' side. It's the complete opposite when you're taking those penalties and you have – when you go out and you're trying to do too much, you're more often than not almost hurting the team instead of helping it. And it's not for a lack of effort. That's the biggest thing, right? But uh, I, this is a big learning curve, I think. You, you're seeing the the resilience be there. The Tigers are playing with more of a, I would say, excitement within themselves. Not necessarily from the crowd, but you can tell from looking at the bench and when they're playing that they really do believe they're in these games. And they oh, are. Yeah. They, they 100% are. are. Even against Winnipeg, they give up an early third-period goal to make the the two-goal deficit a pretty tough one to come back from. But there was no quit. And and that's all you can ask for is the belief and the the effort in the room the same each and every night. Well, we have talked about, and we talked about earlier, that there were no scoring. You look at Oasis has four already this season. Yeah. Tyler McKenzie, who is the guy that we were hoping to see more of, he already has three. Three <laughs> games, three goals. So, I mean, the, the scoring is there. Uh, and I believe this is still going to be a team. Maybe they squeak into the playoffs, maybe not, but... The what did it end up being five two for Winnipeg? I think that's what it ended up being. Because I think they got uh, a, yeah, an, an empty, empty netter. netter. Yeah, they did from but like their own circle. Everyone I talked to, you included, that was not a five two no. game. That the Tigers played way better than mm. what it said on the scoreboard. Yeah, they were down one after two, and so you think about it, you get that first goal in the third period, you're all square, and who knows how the the game shakes out, right? That that's all you can ask for is that you're keeping yourself in the game and. It's it doesn't sound like it's much, but it's improvement from last year, right? I mean, how many times did we look at it and say, man, like 
after the first 20 minutes, they just you could see that they were deflated. But even shot-wise, like how yeah. many times did they only get like 20 shots? We're like, this is not the team that we know. That's the exciting thing, right, is that they're generating offense. They are. You look at this one, 34-23, they outshot the Winnipeg Ice. Yep. They yep. outshot them. And then you look at the special teams, they went 3-4 for four on the penalty kill, which is pretty good against Winnipeg. Yeah, that's really good. But then they go 0-3 on the power play. That's that's gonna happen, and I can't see what they were on the power play against Lethbridge, but maybe we got to figure out a way to score more on the power play. Yeah, well, two for six in Lethbridge oh, there on Saturday, yes, but yes, then yeah. I don't remember from night one. But I mean, like on the year, so it's they've had seventeen power plays this season. They scored on five of them, so it's okay, just, just right. under thirty percent, which okay. is really good. Yep, and the penalty kills at seventy five percent. All right, you want to get that number up, obviously, sure. and if you could stay at a at twenty nine percent somehow. On the power play for a full season, you're going to be more than happy. But it's it's a matter of each game. If you can get a power play goal every single night, ideally, we would all love that, right? And I think every team would love that. Um, then you're going to bode well. But based off of numbers and percentages, like this team is producing more offense. They're looking more dangerous five on five. They're getting chances on the power play. And so far this season, they've done fairly well on the power play. So. You have to look and, and take it with a three-game lens and say, you know, there's there's quite a bit to like moving into the rest of this season and moving into this U.S. road trip specifically where you're going to play tough teams. You're going to face three undefeated teams as of right now. Their first three games on this road trip are against the three teams in the U.S. division that as we sit here at this very moment on a Thursday recording the podcast have not lost a game. So that's Everett, Portland, and Seattle. Yeah. And even, I mean, you look at Tri-City, who's 1-3, and three, I still wouldn't count them out because, I mean, this U.S. is so tight that yep. even a 1-3 and three team is probably pretty good if you put them in any other division. That's true. Like, this whole Very division true. from top to bottom, I feel like, can hold their own in any other division in the WHL. They're always tough, right? Always. They're always tough, and, and you know going in that you're going to have to be on top of things. But getting this road trip out of the way early, you have to think it's, it's, it's a good thing. Like you get the guys out on a trip for for ten days or however long it's going to be, the bonding happens early. Ideally, you mix in a couple wins. Like I was talking to some people, I said, "Listen, if they can win two of five, that's probably a good trip." Oh yeah. Like I, ideally, you want to go over five hundred. Three of five would be great, and then anything outside of that would just be cake. Yep. But two is a reasonable bar. Yep. Because listen, Everett, Portland, and Seattle. One of them is going to have to lose eventually. Here, like I'm looking at this, like the goals for. This division isn't scoring a lot of goals, but they're also not letting a lot of goals yeah, in. Yeah. So it's been a lot. Like, it, it's a defensive battle there. That could maybe be our saving grace because we are a team right now. As of right now, we seem to be scoring a lot and mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 9-1 victory definitely helped. That could be our saving grace because you look at even the top team, Everett at 3-0, they've only scored 12 goals. They've only let three, though. Yeah, that's pretty good. Won a game? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's not bad. Yeah. But even like you, like you mentioned with just the production from this division so far and how the Tigers have looked through their three games. They've outshot the opposition in all three, two against Lethbridge, one against Winnipeg. But I don't know that they've allowed more than 30 shots in a game either. I don't think so. I don't think they allowed more than 30. I, I know you were reading off the numbers from, from Lethbridge and Winnipeg over the weekend, and I don't remember there being a 30-shot game for Lethbridge in Medicine Hat on the season opener. So... That's a good sign. 27-23. Right? So unless that first one where it was 9-1, I don't think they're scoring more. I don't think they have more than 30 shots. I don't think so. So that's a good sign. That's something that's not talked about enough, I don't think, is is that they're limiting 
opportunities the other way. Now, if you limit them to four grade A opportunities and they score on three of them, then so be it. Yeah. But last year we also saw just the amount of opportunities almost felt endless sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of nights that the Tigers were out shooting the opposition. So that that's that's going to bode well. If they can limit the opportunities in high-danger areas, even let's just take away the around the net, take away around the crease for Lankow. We'll, we'll work from the dots later, but like <laughs> take away from the bottom of the circles to the net, from the goal line, let's say. Clear up that bit of space. Let Be- uh, Beckett work a little bit from there. Like you're, you're even going to see those those grade A chances go down significantly yep. because so much ge- is generated. And you saw it from Connor Geeky uh, in, when Winnipeg was here. So much is generated around that net front area for those high skill teams. Yeah, like that that could be that could be the the big difference. Really, is just taking care of that six foot space. And then working on it afterwards, like prioritizing that area, making sure you have help there, blocking point shots. Like that the, Winnipeg game's a different game than I think. It probably is. It, it really is. Connor Geeky's just so big and strong that he was able to work his way around. And you, you, you saw it from the Tigers' point of view. How often have we talked about Dallin Moline between you and I, and just how good he's looked? It's unbelievable he hasn't had a point yet. Uh, yeah. And and he's so deserving. Like he's, he's hungry for one big time. He's been around it every single game, but he carries the pace below the goal line. And even more than that, he drives the net almost every opportunity he gets. And then you see the, the little bit of chaos ensue for the opposition, right? When we were in Lethbridge, you saw Moline working the puck below the goal line, battling along the boards, winning puck battles, and then going straight to the net and causing havoc there. And when he was on a rush, he would go wide on the wing, drive towards the net, drag a defenseman with him, and then it's a bit of a scramble in front of the, the opposition's net. Those are the things that the Tigers struggle with, right? Yep, yep, definitely. And you can see how difficult it is when you have a guy like Moline who does it to other teams. Like, you're now seeing it. They didn't have that last year. No, they no. They couldn't see what it was like on the offensive point of view. They just had the defensive point of view of plays like that. Now they can see offensively how much space it can really create. So maybe that's another thing that, you know, as the season goes on, they can look at that. And and as defensemen, as as a unit, five man unit in their own zone, say you know we really got to protect this net front. We got to be selling out on on blocking point shots. Mm-hmm. Those have been the two big things that the Tigers have been successful with this year. And good teams do that. Is there anyone so far this year? And again, we're three games in. We're overreacting on this Friday podcast. Right. Is there someone on the squad that you are surprised? We talked about Malin. We are surprised that he doesn't have a point. Yeah. Is there someone that you expected more from mm. early on? I look at a guy like Andrew Basha. I am very surprised, and I love the fact he's got seven points right now in three games. Yeah. He's leading, or he's in the midst of leading, in a lot of categories in the WHL right now. Mm-hmm. Hot asses at five points. You got Rhett at five points. Uh, a lot of guys are pulling their weight, but is there a guy near the bottom of that stat sheet that you're sitting there going, I expected a little bit more early on? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily stat related. It's more like there's a couple of guys for me where I'm, I'm seeing them, and I think it's just taking, in the case of Alex Drover, just a little bit of time to get more comfortable. I mean, he, last season in the, in the queue as a 19-year-old, he produced. He was putting up points. He scored goals, and he just hasn't really found his way yet this season with with Tyler McKenzie mainly on a line playing with him. And there was some time for for Drover to get on the power play to start this year. And uh, against Winnipeg, he was off that power play. 
but I, I think he's a guy that as he gets settled in as a veteran of, of major junior hockey, he's pretty aware of what he needs to do. And I think maybe his role's a little bit different this year. So just getting adjusted to that, just from a game perspective, will serve him well. Um, also, that comes with the caveat for any 20-year-old that there is one cut that's going to have to be made somewhere, uh, whether it's Drover, Lee, Kuntinen, or and I'm missing one, so who's the fourth one? Dallin Malin, that's it. Uh, so one of those four is going to be cut at some point as you can only carry 302s. I'd be surprised if Malin. Like, I, I, Malin I, has again, to stick, We right? don't know anything, but, I mean, judging what I've seen and how aggressive – that's a guy who I'm keeping on. Yeah, he he's a guy that plays Tigers hockey as a big man. Yeah. And so often we've we've considered Tigers hockey to be small. By the way, one of the biggest teams in the league this year, the Medicine Tigers. So That's take new. that take that to anyone who says that the Tigers always draft small, they are small. Um, they're changing that and it doesn't happen overnight, but you're seeing that now. Anyway, Drover would be a guy uh, that I think is getting more and more comfortable. Another one for me, I brought him up with with Joe in the first episode that we had is is Oren Strom. Just getting mm-hmm. back to his confidence. You can see the flashes with Strom of of offensive brilliance. The way he can create, the way he finds a little bit of separation, uh, the this the annoyance that he almost has in the offensive zone. When he's buzzing, he causes so many problems for the opposition. He just needs to be buzzing. He yeah. needs to get going. And now, of course, uh, he has played the entire season so far with a bubble because he has a facial injury, took a high stick, I believe. So there could be some of that in play where maybe just not 100% comfortable. But those are the things now that you, you kind of need to work through, right? You're, you're a bit of a veteran on this team. You've been around the team now. Uh, it, it's time to take the next step. And I think Oren Strom really is that guy could be. that could unlock uh, another level of offensive depth if he's able to get going. I agree. And then on the back end, I would say... Just want to, a little bit more from Pasha Botcharov. Just want okay. to see Pasha maybe simplifying a bit more, honestly, because he is super creative. He skates well. It's effortless. It does look a lot like Drew Krebs when he's carrying the puck. Like the two of them, when they're moving, just make it look so easy. But I've noticed last year and into this year, Botcharov likes to create to the almost to a fault. Extra stick handle here or there maybe gets uh, uh, himself put into a bad situation, turns it over, and it comes back the other way in an odd man rush. Yeah. Those are the things you want to avoid. If you're going to make a rush, then go for it by all means, right? Like, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy to, to ever say that an offensive player, whether they're forward or defense, I don't care, but if someone who has an offensive mind has an opportunity to make a play, I'm not going to say you shouldn't try and make it. Sure. But it's trying not to make the extra plays on top of it. Yeah. And and that we saw that a bit last year. He would get into the offensive zone, trying to cut through every single player, turn it over, and came back the other and way. Says, Uh-oh. Yeah, and then you're seeing that a little bit again to start this season, just simplifying a bit. Because, again, keeping things simple keeps everyone kind of on task. Everyone's in their lane, right? Yeah. As soon as you try and do a bit too much, it's, it's for a good reason, and it's because you're trying to help the team win. Yep. But then it ends up hurting the team in the long run. Yep. No, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I like you know I'm a big uh, Oasis guy. Yeah. I love Oasis. I didn't know what to expect when we first got him. Yep. Four goals, no assists. But I feel like his type of play is exactly what the Tigers need this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to score goals. He's going to piss you off. You're going to take penalties on him. Therefore, giving the Tigers that power play opportunity. Yeah. Hopefully, capitalizing it. He he reminds me of like a Chris Saint Jocks. From back in the yes. day. St. Yeah, Jocks yeah, yeah. was such a mosquito, such a fly, just pissed a lot of people such off. Such a pest. But he could also score goals. Yep. 
and I think that's what Oasis is. I would love to see, again, I know he's only played, I think, 11 games, but Mercek I'd like to see more of. Yeah. He's got one point in the 11 games that he's played. I feel like he just needs to get that goal. Once he gets that goal, I hope, watch out, and more come after that. Yeah, and I would assume that for Mercek and Lindstrom alike, very offensively talented players. They're going to be a big part of, of the offensive train, the offensive nucleus of the Tigers for the next few years, right? It, it was tough when we saw Mercek and Lethbridge because it felt like he, he just didn't really have that role that he was comfortable in. Yep. I think they were trying to trying him out as, as a fourth-line center, taking some defensive zone draws. It's important to make sure you take care of your own end, obviously, and that's why there's guys like, like Tyler McKenzie who are just unbelievably underrated as two-way forwards. 100%. But this is... We saw last year, there's guys who are learning the league, right? And they're going to have to go through their lumps in your first season, first full year. It's going to take some time to get adjusted to whatever that role might be. They're not probably asking for Mercic to go out there and put up no 40 goals this year. That's not the role they have for him, I would imagine. And if it is, I then I, I haven't seen yeah. that indicated anywhere, right? So... So he's learning a bit of a new role. He's getting his f- feet wet. But you're right. You, you want to see him when he gets in the offensive zone. We didn't really see that much from him in Lethbridge. When you get in the offensive zone, just turn your brain off. Yeah. Just, just play. Stop thinking. Yeah. Shoot that puck that you've been doing your entire life. Yeah. He's going to get in the back of the net, breathe that sigh of relief, yeah. and just watch out. Because I feel create. like he's just one create. of those guys Yes. that once it comes, the monkey's off his back because he's overthinking it, and you're going to see more out of him. Whether yeah. it be assists, goals, he's going to be in the offensive picture more often. And should mention, like it's it's gotta be difficult knowing that you need to perform that night in order to stay in the lineup for the next night because yeah. there's competition yep. from guys who are getting scratched night in and night out. There's yeah. people pushing to to get playing time, right? So mm-hmm. that's gotta be hard too. But this is just it, it's a chance for when Mercic is in the lineup to to think that he's gonna put up a bunch of points. No one's ever thought that. But for him personally he just needs to go out and play this year. Just get in the offensive zone. When you're there, do whatever feels right. Yep. Because that's why you were drafted when you were drafted. That's why the the Tigers loved you, and they still do. They they just want you to create, right? So yeah. it, it's one of those things that will come along. But I can see where you're coming from, that you want to see a bit more yep. creativity out yep. of them, for sure. And I think we will. Um, one more thing before we go, because, you know, we love to check the, the Tigers fan page on uh, – Facebook, we appreciate you. We see you, Tiger fans. There's been a lot of mention of the game day environment Mm. that is at co-op place. Right, right, right. And I have yet to work a game this year, so (laughs) I can't attest to what has happened this year so far. I I, I don't know what's went on in the game days. Mm -hmm. But in previous years, people say that, you know, certain people are cheap or we're not like other squads or our music is to this and all that. As of last year... We made the most of what we have. There were a lot of businesses that did not want to be attached to the Tigers because of the year that they had. And that's unfortunate. Sure. Because people want to put their saddle on a winning horse, and I get that. Sure. Um, so there, weren't, there were certain games or certain prizes that we couldn't do that we've usually done because of that. Mm-hmm. As far as the music goes, you will not believe how often we will get some of the older crowd mm-hmm. that will come up and say the music's too loud or I'm too loud. Yeah. It's hard at co-op place to have that happy medium. Yep. Because I believe that a hockey game, 
should be loud. We were in Lethbridge. Their music was loud. Mm -hmm. Their announcer was loud. I have no idea where the hell their host was because he was hardly on camera, and we didn't see a lot of him. But it's very frustrating, and I I think that we would all like to do more at the Tiger Games. Mm -hmm. We need more people to go to Tiger Games, and we need more businesses that want to be a part of the game day experience. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. All that is... All that's fair. Also, can we quickly just mention in Lethbridge, they got to fix their PA system, though? Because yeah. it felt like it was coming out of one side of the rink and not the other. Yeah, I felt like the, <laughs> the, when you had the headphones, it only comes out of the left side. Yeah. And you're, you got nothing on the right yeah, side. It's like you're wearing your earbuds, but it's only coming out of one headphone. Yeah, they need to work on the surround. I love the energy that that guy yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it did seem like it was only coming from one side of the rink. Facts. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that heard that. No, definitely. Anyway. But, I mean, um, I... I love the game day. Listen, that's the Tigers game day. There wasn't any hoopla when we were in the old arena either. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what we're known for. We play music. I do my damnness to get you into the game. Eight times out of ten, that works. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't. But you know I mean, what? I'll, I'll say this. I think some of the best teams for off-ice stuff, whether it's socials, uh, whether it's the, the game day experience like you mentioned, they know who they are and what they want to deliver and they deliver that regardless of little feedback here and there because you're going to get everyone everyone has an opinion and especially when you go to sporting events and this isn't to sound meant to sound rude or anything it's just a reality that in sports it's a little bit different because everyone has some kind of appreciation for the team that's why you engage with them on social media that's why you go to the games you have some sort of appreciation, some sort of personal investment, no matter how little or how big. If you're even just going for the first time, you're somewhat invested in that game, and you want to see whoever team you're more invested in win, you're going to have a favorite, right? You're not just going to a sporting event just to casually watch it, and you don't really care what happens. No. No matter how big or how little, everyone has some kind of investment. So with that comes some sort of opinion. And the bigger the personal investment that you have to the team, the more you're going to share your opinions or the louder you're going to have those opinions. But from the team perspective, I really think they need to just do what it is they want to do. Yeah. Because fans will appreciate it eventually. Like, I look in Calgary. Do they have the best facility? Not really. Nope. I don't think anyone's going to say that the Saladome is a top 10 rank in the NHL, nor will they ever. But what they do so well is they create the vibe based off of what it is they know they want to do. They get you engaged pregame. The bass from the music is going through the seat. They want to create that experience, and that's what they create. I'm sure there's people that go to Flames games and say, damn, that's too loud. But that's the name there's of the too, game. It's too flashy, too many flashing lights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, There's but, probably people that say that, but yeah. it's a performance at the same time. Yes, and, I, and, and if it's too loud for you, I apologize. If the lights are too much for you, I apologize. But we're very blessed that we got Gino on the radio where you can sit at home and you can listen, or you can buy the CHL package and you can watch the game. Right. But we need to do something to make it more flashier. Of course we do. Is there always changes that need to be made? 100%. Yeah. Does their social media need to be better? Yes, but they don't have the bodies to do that. Mm-hmm. Do we need more people in the in the seats? Of course. I really wish we had a family ticket pass. Right. I would love a family of four to go for like 40 bucks. Make the ticket prices lower to get them in there. Gouge them at the concessions. I've been saying that for years. The whole game right. day experience itself could use work. Sure. Will it? Probably not. Just accept it for what it is, and let's just have fun and cheer on the Tigers. Yeah. Support yeah. them. I mean, the more yeah, support, then the more that we can 
put back into that team. Yes, there's just it, you opened up quite a few cans. I know I did. And the thing is, like, okay, you gouge them at the concession. Do they get any cut of the concession? How much? Ah, I know. Who knows? But is that going to do them any good? They dropped Ticketmaster, so in theory, the fees should have come down a little bit because they're being sold now. The tickets are being sold off Tix.ca, which is something that the city has. Yeah, you're not getting the crazy ass of, right? taxes the Ticketmaster was getting. That was you. that was a bit of a thing yeah. beforehand, but. There's always going to be a thing to complain about, I think, to of come course. back to your point. And I think that's the point that inevitably you're trying to make, is that there's always going to be something that you can complain about. But there's so many other things that are done well at the same time that if we stopped complaining, we would appreciate all the other things that are going on. I if, think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's the point you're trying to make. If you could see behind the scenes of the... I'll be straight up honest with you. There's a lot of people doing three people's work. Yep. And if you could see behind the scenes the people that have busted their behinds to make sure they get a product out. For you, sometimes it's not the best. I get that. Listen to our show. Sometimes it's not <laughs> the best, but we get a product out nonetheless. Right, right. If you were in their shoes and you've seen what's been going on behind the scenes, I think you'd have a different look of it. Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. Not not easy in, in the least to do it. Um, but everyone's also now kind of feeling these different pressures especially from a financial standpoint considering what's gone on the last couple of years and so uh that just kind of heightens everything a little bit more there's a lot of new bodies um on the back end of things that are making this game day experience happen but i don't know i just i always come back to there's always going to be things to complain about mm-hmm. and it's not that they're unjustified it's not that there's no reason to if if you have that vested interest you have a complete and total utter right to voice your opinions about the team about anything associated with the 100%, team you're paying and, your money right yeah, and that's yeah. totally okay but to think that absolutely every single problem that you have is going to be fixed and that'll create nothing but you know sellouts every single night that's just not going to happen because what works for you and what problems you have are they going to cause problems for for another person yeah so and also for music volume i can tell you right now up top they have no idea what the music volume is at because they can't hear it regardless that's a problem that I'm not going to give that a pass. You should have a complete and no, but total, because of the acoustics, don't I don't think they can actually hear you, how loud then, stuff is. Then go down and figure it out. Because there's I'm a lot. Not of gonna, time, I'm not going to give that a pass. There's a I lot can't. of time where they can't hear. Like I don't think DJ Orangeman can actually hear. I think he's got an idea, but mm. I don't think he can officially hear because he's so high up. Yeah. But then when you're down at ice level, yeah. even when I'm doing games with the mic, my microphone sounds so muffed up. I have no idea what the sound is. Right. Yeah, on a sound angle, on that, send someone down, test it, figure it out. You oh, should, we, you should we know we where should the levels are at. definitely be testing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the acoustics that in that place pass. are completely, when I'm up top, it yeah. sounds completely different than when I'm at bottom. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no idea. Yeah, that's, So I think that's a lot true. of times when you're telling people, hey, it's too loud, they'll go, okay, thanks. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah, I just, that, that part of it, uh, you, working in what we work in, you should know. Listen, you're not wrong. <laughs> you should know the levels. But again, there's the one person doing three people's job. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it comes down to. But let's just be grateful that we're able to be in the rink yeah. watching Tigers hockey. 100%. Because like, you and I will agree on this forever that nothing's ever going to be perfect. No. But the team's there, and we should feel fortunate to have this team and in the, the situation in which they're coming out of. Like It's going to be exciting, man. It's going to be a lot to look forward to. It's going to be way better than what we had last year. Yep.
Yeah, 100%. I so, know the guys are very excited. Yep. So we'll see how the Tigers do there in the U.S. Yeah. This weekend, you can listen to all the games at Chat 90. Wild 94.5. Right. That's yeah, that's it's new. It's going to change. I mean, technically, it's right from when we're recording it. Yeah. We just we haven't went into our wild yeah, mode yet. Like, we're in the past. Yeah. So it'll be on Wild 94.5. Gino right. will have the call. We'll see you next week. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season. Oh, 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 oh.